Hi, I'm Suzanne. Hello, I'm Peter. And this is Sex Advice for Seniors. And we are here today with our special guest, Jackie Marshall Cyrus, who is the creator, founder, disruptor, amazing woman that is now promoting Jackie's revolution her own personal revolution. So Jackie, welcome to our little corner of Sex Advice for Seniors. Would you like to tell us what, what, is, what is Jackie's revolution? Jackie's revolution um, actually started off as a concept, as a sort of campaign. It is now, I'm pleased to say, a legal entity. So it's Jackie's Revolution CIC. And Jackie's Revolution is all about um, changing the way that we look or, or we, we model long-term care. So we're aiming to disrupt the institutional model of care. We believe yeah. that um, people need to, to grow older and live their lives in their own homes. Um, and we, we feel that our generation, it's time to change that model our generation must be, must be able to age outside of an institutional mode. So we're all about disrupting the long-term care model that exists and stimulating innovation to find alternatives. Yeah. That's amazing. Peter? Well, that sounds great to me. I mean, I've, I've often thought that um, the best thing would be to have sort of old people's communes <laughs> where people uh, live together and, and love together and, you know, just, they had them in Germany, they had them in, um, they mm. had them in the Netherlands, you know, and um, I, I don't really see why we don't do that here. Maybe it's a generational thing or a, a political thing or, or something rather, I don't know, but, but that would seem to me to be the perfect model for the future i'd quite like to go into an old people's commune you know. <laughs> yeah. well absolutely that's the thing um people have very little choice yeah. you know the care home residential home model is the default mode and that's what we aim to do to provide our generation with a choice and if that choice is to live in a commune if that choice is to spend the rest of your life on, on a cruise ship somewhere, if that choice is to spend, to live and die in your own home, the yeah. system that accommodates that choice. Yeah, sure. that. I think also, you know, what we see now, especially, and I don't think any of us could have anticipated how much the pandemic was going to impact how people viewed care homes just generally, because yeah. of course they sort of just turned into death camps and, mm -hmm. And huge amounts of lives were lost in care homes during the pandemic. And we read about them every day in the newspaper. And certainly I think that escalated our generation's attitude towards care homes and our resistance to wanting to ever end up in one because well, it, seemed, it seemed yeah. like that was something that, categorically our generation especially as a person that runs a group of over 50s one of the things that we talk about the most is how are we going to live out the rest of our days you know my grandmother was in a home for 20 years I think um although she was you know she was in cognitive decline during that 20 years um 
you know, it just it's a long, long time. She was she was a hundred when she died, you know, and it's uh, you know, the prospect of that is sends shivers down your spine, really. Yeah, it's it's interesting, you know. I think I think people often tend to look at, at care homes as um as a sort of entity, but it's 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 a systems failure that we have. It's 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 not one individual place. Um, it's 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 an entire system. It's that model that has been in existence since 945 <laughs> in the days of King Athelstan. That's that how far back we're going. And, right. and people don't realize that, you know, and, and as you say, we wonder why we still do it. We still do it because it's entrenched culturally in, mm. in our minds, um, generations before, and, and, and some generations now have that expectation that they mm. will, you know, that's that's the end, the end game. Um, and as Susan said, I, I don't believe it's right that in the 21st century, now with the world the way it is with technology the way it is with the social changes that 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 have presented that people should end up in or be admitted to or have to go in you know it's 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 not on it's not acceptable and um it's a system that needs to change it would be very very difficult because we're talking about centuries of of you know, layer on the structure. But um, as we're here to, today to talk about one aspect that you always say the system, the model is archaic. It's not fit for purpose. It's not fit for the future. It's not fit for personhood. And in mm. many cases, cases, it breaches people's human rights. And mm. one of the, the human rights, one of the, the fundamental things or the essence of our 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 our, our humanity um, is our sexuality and our ability to express that in whatever way we choose and this is just one fundamental aspect that the that this model of care the system we have from in my opinion totally disables mm. yeah yeah I remember at the panel discussion that we we both participated in, you spoke um, very, very eloquently about how elder people or older people, especially in care home settings, are being neutered because the system is not set up or capable of allowing people any form of intimacy Mm-hmm. And I, I'd really like to hear more about that because we only just touched on the surface at that panel discussion and I found it fascinating. Mm. It's such a broad and and um and taboo. It is still a taboo issue. Um yeah. I don't even know where to begin. Um perhaps I might I might begin with the the what what should be, what should happen. Now we have a number of, of policies and guidance documents. Um, one, some of the more well-known ones are the ones from the Care Quality Commission. Um, yeah. they, have, they have a document that was published in 2019 about relationships, relationships and, and sexuality in adult social services and what should happen, yeah? Mm. Um, as I always say, reality eats policy for breakfast. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The 
focus of this document is generally on safeguarding, you know, the mental, the mental capacity act and the issue of consent yeah. and at risks. So they talk about what should happen. People should be allowed to do this and um, professionals should, should um, have this knowledge and should have this training. Um, what I base my, my perspective on is the fact that although I you know, have operated at very senior levels, run national programs, um, innovation programs, I always felt it was important to dictate what I did, not from a level of, of policy or senior executive level, which, which happens a lot, but from being immersed so I have worked since 20, over the last six years, I work in, in the industry, in the long-term care sector every weekend. So I'm not talking mm. about what I've read on a research paper. I'm not talking about what people tell me, or I'm not talking about something that I don't know about. Yeah. I'm, I'm talking about something that I experience every weekend, and I will be experiencing this weekend uh, again. Um, mm. And I think it's a, a, it's a lots of shoulds. What, where the musts come in is when it comes to risk and when it, when it comes to what practitioners should do in terms of, of alerting the CQC and the police when, when incidents or, or when they have concerns. They're very clear on what you must do. They're less clear on what you should do. Right. <laughs> Um, and I think the focus is a lot around um, the, 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 the younger, I think it's, it's less about, it's sort of a mishmash. They're trying to address younger people learning disability or, or younger adults with, with learning disabilities living in, in regulated care services. So they're talking about things like STI, they're talking about things like the prevention of pregnancy the mechanics of sex, whether people understand the mechanics of sex. And they're talking about, you know, um, so, so it's, it's, it, it, it leans towards that, 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 that side or that, that age group. Um, and then, you know, the CQC does these inspections and they, they you know, they, they have what, four or five main criteria that they look at, but they also look at what is, 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 is termed, you know, key, um, key elements of, 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 of this care. So um, key lines of inquiry. And, and although they, they, they say that, you know, inspectors should ask and providers should ask these questions, yeah. none, is, none, of, none of them are really specific to enabling the sexuality of older adults, sexual, sexual expression, gender identity, you know, it's 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 less it's more it's less about the recognition and action, um, and less about embedding. And I think it's underpinned by ageism and put the, some of the personal beliefs around that people hold around the topic. And interestingly, they indicate that it's part and parcel of the training and education around equality and diversity. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I really find that, that, that quite strange, um, you know, it, what equality and diversity has, you know, how, it, how, how you can 
totally embed and get the, the mind shift, the cultural shift that is that this demands um, under that sort of umbrella. Um, yeah, so that's one of the key policy, uh, one of the key guidance documents. The second one is by the Royal um, College of Nursing. And that's a little more, um, that's a little more detailed. Um, however, it makes clear that you don't even think about, you know, although they say we should do this and we should do that and we should facilitate people's sexuality and so on. It very clearly says that under the sexual offenses legislation, providing services such as masturbation in the context of care is, is, is acting contrary to criminal law. It's, 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 it's illegal, you know? Yeah, I suppose con whether it's consensual or not is, is the problem, isn't it? How do you how do you measure um, the consent uh, with people who might have dementia or whatever? It's it's a mind feel, but in that mind feel around consent, people eat with the capacity to consent fall victim to that, fall victim yeah. to this overall umbrella. Even if you know getting if 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 a sex worker comes in to a care home that is not allowed whether the person has consent under any circumstances, whether the person living in the institution, you know, request these or, or you, 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 you just can't have that. So it's a very mm -hmm. difficult situation to navigate. It, it's recognized. Uh, but my concern is the overall neutering of adults, mm -hmm. the lack of recognition that persists um, the inability of 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 the service, the, the, the you know, the, to to provide or cater to it, um, where people are, yeah. are just treated as objects of care. Yeah. Well, they're treated like children in lots of ways. Um, you know, that with in the way that they are not able to give consent and they shouldn't be confronted with these sorts of things and um you know they're in the case of children they're, they're too young for this and uh, all of a sudden that's that's imposed on old people as well or older people as though they have no say in the matter at all and no history of sexuality themselves Absolutely, absolutely. There's a strong emphasis to educate and embrace, you know, younger people's yeah. sexuality, educate them, facilitate them to express themselves, their gender, how they identify. But we're talking about adults, you know, yeah. and we find it, we, we perceive that it's very difficult to do that. In my experience, that perception falls completely within the realm of, 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 of the, 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 the carer or the nurse or the, it's our discomfort that we mm. project onto to others. Because in my experience, that, that hasn't been the case. And I work as an agency nurse and I've worked over dozens of, of care, care homes across the different providers across the West Midlands. And mm -hmm. I have yet to come across an older adult who has been uncomfortable about with a discussion or, or with a reference to sex mm -hmm. and sexuality. They often, mm -hmm. you know, come to me 
and 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 you know, darling, you know, and and I had an experience a, a, a few weeks ago, um, and people often think that the only um, the age group, that age profile. Um, that resides in these institutional settings are people in their 70s, people in their 80s. That is not so. There are people in their late 50s and 60s yeah. who a significant proportion of these people. And, yeah. you know, there's this particular lady I, I, I worked with and um, she's, in, uh, she's in her early 60s. She had a stroke. Her husband passed away. Um, and she had a stroke and, you know, gained a lot of weight, quite, you know, bariatric. And mm. I had to catheterize her one, one night. So I went in with a couple of carers because um, she's quite large to manage. And I had to actually go on top, top, you know, climb up onto her bed. And I said to her, you know, so-and-so, <laughs> I, I, I need to get in. I need to go, you know, in, you, you know, you know what catheterization yeah. is. I'm sorry that this is a very, you know, um, intimate sort of thing to do. And she said to me, um, darling, you can you can go in there. She said, it's absolutely fine. I just wish that I, I had a man that a man could 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 go in there. It doesn't matter who he is. I don't care what age. I don't care what size. I don't care what race. <laughs> I just wish I could have a man. Yeah, yeah. So she, you know, her sexuality was... really, really struck me. She became tearful. It really, really struck me. And um, after the procedure and after the, the carers left, I went back into the room and I, I, I spoke with her. And, you know, I said, I, I, I cannot imagine what this must be like for you. She says, you know, since my husband died, it's... And nobody cares. And I can't talk to my daughters about it. They, they, they just don't want to hear. And, 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 and they won't accept, you know what, mm. there's nothing I can do but lie here and, yeah. and feel, you know, get this feeling. You mm. know, and when I was handing over to the, to the nurses, I said, look, this, this is an issue that was brought up. And, and it was comical. The response was laughter. The response was, oh, my God, you know. But it's, no, really, it's, part of, it's part of our lives and why we should, you know, not recognize that need for other people. I, I, I just can't understand. Yeah. yeah, completely. And I and, you know, look, we know since we've started doing this podcast and started doing our TikTok channel that the response we've had has been quite overwhelming. And I suspect that's because, as you point out, talking about sex in your 50s, 60s and later life is just so out of the ordinary mm -hmm. that when people start doing it, everybody's kind of a little bit shocked. But also there's a number of people our age who frankly are just so grateful to be hearing what they've been thinking themselves, but never been able to voice. Right. So, mm -hmm. so for them, it's a, it's really, it's really been something to and some of the comments that we've received are about that. And, and, you know, this new, this, and, and as you acknowledge the, the thought about people in care home settings, wanting any form of intimacy and that this should be laughable. It's, it's absolutely tragic. It's just it really tragic. And, but, but 
you know, I also think probably, as you've said, policy hasn't really addressed how we enable people to be intimate. They've only addressed what happens if people behave inappropriately. So there's not really any guidance, it seems, for for people working in these institutions and to be able to accommodate intimacy in these in these settings. Right. It's like better to just not think about it. Let's just not think about it because it's much easier to just get on with our lives and laugh about it and just like park it rather yeah. than have to figure out well how do we make this happen yeah it's not seen as essential to care yeah it's not seen as an essential what is essential uh 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 uh, are the things that 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 cqc you know the care commission require you know um the activities of daily living you know the giving the medication the washing the the you know the 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 toileting the these are the things that are seen as essentials of care and um you know the people talk about about 80 percent of of people in 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 care homes and and residential homes are uh, you know are living with dementia what they don't say is what proportion of those people have mild dementia? What proportion yeah. of those people have moderate dementia and still have the decision-making capacity, still are leading, and what proportion of those people actually are fully functioning, but just their families or for whatever reason, they, they are placed into this setting. And I always tell the story about the turning point that occurred for me as a, a healthcare professional in a multidisciplinary team working with, um, you know, to, 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 to it, well, essentially what we were trying to do is to, to convince this gentleman or influence his thinking that he should to go into long-term care um, institutional care because of how many falls he was having at home, as though people right. don't fall in, in, in those settings as well. Oh, and yeah. um, his daughter and, and her husband and consultant, everybody's sitting there, and he quietly turns to me and he says, sister, please don't let them put me into a care home. If you do, you, you condemn me to a life of celibacy. And right. that when the penny dropped for me. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I see it completely differently. I see people, um, as I said, as commodities in a system that's essentially more based on profit. Um, I see people as being asexual and defined by a physical condition. I see ageism. As, 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 as a ramp, something that's rampant, you know, although we work in that sector, there's a lot of ageism and, and what my, my colleague Mervyn, Mervyn, Dr. Mervyn Eastman referred to as compassionate ageism. We wrap our arms around them and stifle them. And stifle, yeah, yeah. You know, and, yeah. and I, I think that needs, we need to rethink this. We need to seriously rethink it. And I believe it's not it's it's not something that can be fixed with policy. It's something that it's it's not something that can be fixed in an institutional setting because by virtue, the principles of institutions and by virtue of their lack of capacity at the moment, 
I, I don't I don't think it's something that can be easily be be addressed. No, the capacity problem is is definitely one, isn't it? Because um, you know, for for the people who work in these homes, um, they're probably overwhelmed already as it is um, after after the pandemic. To you know, to then uh, put onto them the the requirement to kind of police people's sexuality as well as is quite a difficult ask, I think. It's very, very, yeah, it's, it's not even on the agenda, you know, yeah. that there should be a, you know, we have care, what we call care plans. So for every aspect, whether you, you fall, whether you have a wound, whether you, you have a chest infection, for every aspect of what happens to you, you have a care plan. There right. is supposed to be a care plan for sexuality expressing sexuality how how you 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 support that how you 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 know you you, you enable that and i can tell you from my personal experience as, as i said i have worked in 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 these settings across the west midlands and i am yet to see a care plan addressing people's sexuality there may be homes across the uk I haven't worked across the but in the, the, the dozens of, of places that I have worked, I have yet to see one. I have yet to work in an, in an environment where people's sexual needs are recognized and, and, and supported. You know, I worked in a home where a gentleman, again in his 60s, he had his iPad and, you know, the, 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 the staff would be, you know, laughing and tittering and oh he's probably he's probably you know watching porn or you know he, he yeah, doesn't yeah. watch porn and you have to be careful when you go in because once or twice we've walked in and found him masturbating. I, I just think it's it's appalling and that's not what I want for my future. That's no. not what I want in for my future because I consider myself a, a sexual being. Yeah, yeah well, everyone is. That's everyone is. Certainly, with the with the very old, you enter this childhood, this sort of second childhood, and you're treated accordingly, and that's then also exacerbated by the exacerbated by the general feeling that it's um, you know, it's always just a bit icky for parents to be involved in that sort of thing, and old people to have sexual desires. Absolutely inappropriate somehow that like you should be past this sort of thing by now granny you know but like <laughs> not you know <laughs> and interestingly one of the major barriers to 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 expressing sexuality and maintaining that aspect of your personhood actually comes with families yeah yeah it, it's, it's very very difficult to get a son or a daughter yeah. to sort of um, acknowledge the sexuality and, and, uh, of their parents. Yeah, um, sure. Yeah, I've always but found that's that. the case for everyone, really. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, no, no child likes to talk about that sort of thing with their parents. Yeah, but I mean, the thing is that if they, if they are uncomfortable about talking about that with their parents, and then their parents go into a setting, sadly, because, you know, because we don't live in a society yet where people where everybody can make a choice about where they want to live and how they want to live at the end of their life. 
and the places in which they are being put are also deeply uncomfortable about talking about that topic, then frankly, nobody stands a chance, you know? I mean, because because it's passed from the family onto the staff, the staff don't want to talk about it. They're not going to bring it up. The kids don't bring it up. So at the end of it, basically you've just delivered this person into a place where you've taken away any of their sexual rights. And Mm. you've just said, well, you know what? That's just the way it goes because we, nobody here wants to talk about it. Um, And I, and I suspect that actually like many other um you know, like yourself and others like us, until there's a group of people who actually create um, enough noise around this, nothing's mm-hmm. really going to happen. <laughs> because because yeah. there's no, there's no, these people have no voice. The people that are being affected, they have no voice whatsoever. So they're not going to kick up a fuss. And unless people like us kick up a fuss on their behalf and present solutions and people like yourself, especially provide Mm -hmm. them with solutions that they can, uh, that can be manifested in some way. Right. Um, Then it's not going to happen. I mean, just as a slightly off topic example of um, a very good friend of mine does this thing called the pleasure project, which is about eroticizing safe sex because she's worked in the area of sexual health forever. And she noticed that when she went to conferences and they talked about sexual uh, STIs and HIV and whatever, they never actually talked about pleasure. And she just said, I don't understand this. Are we actually talking about sex? Because it sounds like we're talking <laughs> about two things that kind of meet somewhere. And, they, and she actually said at one point, she completely lost where they were in the conversation because they had completely removed the aspect of sexual pleasure from this conversation that was around sexual health. And she said, how can you remove pleasure from sexual health how can you remove desire from sexual mm. health because mm-hmm. if you don't bring the two things together then frankly people are just going to carry on having unsafe sex i mean it's just <laughs> quite simple really mm-hmm. and i think you know um she's now finally and this woman has been doing this for 16 years sadly jackie and she's now finally got six figure grants so i think we may have some <laughs> to go here oh, or in your journey and hopefully you'll still be alive when they when they when all of this is revolutionized and i, I was hope gonna that say way. i'm not sure i've got that long to wait <laughs> but you know these things these things to be recognized within the community that needs to shake things up uh it can take a very long time that's all i'm saying um yeah yeah i i I always go back to this villainous doctrine of once a man twice a child Mm. i i think i think that that does not apply i don't believe it ever applied i think it's one of the most harmful sort of 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 quotes to 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 later life that Mm. that there is um i i think it's a it's 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 not a simple it's not a simple thing to do particularly in 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 institutional settings as i said the the principles it's where where a small group of people have the power um and i think it's about power 
I think people being cared for in these environments um, are, are disempowered and they need to be cared for. I think it can only happen if we are cared for. And I focus on our generations and the generations coming after. That's, that's what Jackie's Revolution CIC is focusing on. That's our focus. Mm. What, how can we make it different? How can we maintain and sustain all those aspects that make us human, that make us the people we are and, and not have all of that stripped away from us under the guise of care mm. and, and as commodities in, 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 a, in, a, in a service, in a, in, in a sector. Um, and I feel that we can only, the only chance we'll have of that, maintaining that, that level of control and that power is if we are cared for in, in our homes or places that we choose, if, if we have that, because the issue of power is at the core of this dysfunctional archaic model of care that we have. Mm. And our generation, and I dare say the generations before, before us, are far more in touch with our sexuality and our intimacy and our gender identity and, and what, what we want. You know, mm. and a much more enabling approach needs needs to be to, to be to be taken to the subject subject. You know, we are great at risk aversion and 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 we, we have that down to a T. We fine-tune that. We are less capable in terms of giving permission, mm. in terms of making provision, mm. and in terms of designing models and pathways pertinent to our needs. And I, I, I think, you know, much more than much more needs to be done. I think there needs to be some leadership in this area. And I, you know, I remember 14 years ago when I stood on platforms talking to innovators, when, you know, I, I worked mm. at, at Innovate UK and I spoke about, you know, these sensors that you want to put on the people's beds to determine whether they're getting in and out or whatever. I said, right. what does that do to, to a man? I said, so if he wants to masturbate and, and this data goes to you and you think you call him to say, are you having an epileptic seizure or somebody comes darting <laughs> in? You know, and people used to laugh. People used to think, oh, she's just a nutcase. You know, she's yeah, crazy. Yeah. But you need to think about these things. You need to think about these things, you know? Well, I think um, um, risk aversion is very interesting that you say they're good at risk aversion because they see sexuality probably as a risk rather than as a pleasure maybe that's that's the thing that needs to that we need to work on that you know that sex can be risky but it's it's you know nine times out of ten it's not uh, and it's something that uh, needs recognizing as as a basic, as you say, a basic human right, really. Absolutely, absolutely. There are two key things I I don't see that that this this sector is devoid of, and those two things are laughter and pleasure. Mm -hmm. And that is a really good place to wind things up. I think it's <laughs> revealing yeah. many more. It brings up many more questions oh, yeah. than it well, has we, answers. Yeah. <laughs> I could stay yeah. here all day long and talk about this, but yeah. thank, thanks so much. I think it's just been the most illuminating discussion maybe that we've had, but you know. Yeah, yeah, very good. Yeah, very thanks yeah. so much, Jackie. My pleasure. Absolutely my pleasure. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Bye.